Lord, I ask that you would help us cherish the day. Lord, even when the days are long, even when the days are stressful, uh, that your Holy Spirit would move within us as believers, that you would lift us up and encourage us. Uh, Lord, there are many uh, within uh, our church family that are uh, dealing with difficult times in life, and I would like to lift them up especially, um, that your Holy Spirit would comfort them, uh, that through the trials that they are bearing, that um, that you would grow your church. Um, and I'm not just talking numbers, Lord, um, but that we as individuals would grow learning how to encourage, learning how to be encouraged, learning how this gospel truth of a Christ that has been raised uh, changes the way that we live out from day today. Lord, um, we are here uh, just days after the resurrection service, just days after Easter service. Uh, Lord, um, let us continue to be encouraged that Christ is not in the grave, but that that the gospel, the gospel truth is that he has been raised as a first fruit of a great harvest that we have hope to take part in. As Christ has been raised, we likewise, likewise will be raised to new life, a life that we can spend with you, a life, Lord, that we will not have to worry about death any longer because death has died and the King reigns on a high, even though as we walk here, sometimes this flesh may question. Lord, encourage us by your Holy Spirit. Encourage us by the truth of your word. It is in Christ's name and it is for Christ's glory. Amen. All right, we're going to be in Romans chapter 14 again. um, Just to kind of catch us up, um, maybe tune me down just a smidge, Dennis. Um, in case we were to get fiery at some point, <laughs> uh, you never know, and I don't want y'all to be deaf at the end of it. Um, so we're going to be in Romans. Um, last time we covered Romans chapter 14, verse 1 through 12, and, and we started off with kind of the idea of what we would cover, and I figure as we start off uh, this afternoon, uh, since it has been a couple of weeks for us, that I would just kind of uh, go over kind of the the big idea of what we should have been pulling out of uh, last week's sermon, and then we'll talk about what we should be looking for in this week's sermon, and then we'll just dive into the text and kind of work our way through it. So so just to refresh our minds as far as where we're at and how the gospel is being played out now in practical ways, or how we should be seeing the gospel as believers being played out in practical ways in the ways that we live our life, this is the truth that we should have been seeing last time that we were together Uh, So, the gospel of Christ and our shared faith in Christ alone for salvation unifies us by God's grace and allows us to show grace to one another as we differ in our understandings of secondary and tertiary issues that pertain to Christian living. I'm going to read that one more time. You know, follow along, listen as closely as you can. This is kind of the idea that Paul is going to continue in tonight. This is why it's kind of important. We've kind of had a break, so I want us to make sure we're in the in the right train of thought as we're starting in and kind of picking up where we left off last time. So the gospel of Christ and our shared faith in Christ alone for salvation. This is the church. We are the church because we've placed our faith in what? In Christ. We've placed our faith in Christ. And this is true whether you are a Baptist in Alabama or whether you're a Methodist in South Africa, right? Cross culture, cross denomination. If your faith is in Christ, we have a shared faith in Christ, right? And this faith in Christ alone for salvation unifies us, right? It unifies us by God's grace and allows us. So God's grace allows us to show grace to one another as we differ in our understandings of secondary. These are the things that would split us among denominations. Denominations are not a bad thing, right? 
They're not a bad thing that, that you worship in a little different way. And I want to say, hey, if you worship a little different from us, I want you to worship in that way. I want you to worship how you feel comfortable. You're a brother or sister in Christ, right? These secondary issues, right? They need not divide us in our common goal for the spread of the gospel. But if it makes for, for easier worship for you while we work through our differences, I want to say that's okay. Right? We can live with that. We can call one another brothers and sisters as we work out our differences and understanding as we come from different places, but we're all headed to the same, the same place. So it allows us to show grace to one another as we differ in our understandings of secondary and tertiary issues. So secondary would split us, tend to split us into denominations. Uh, tertiary issues would be issues that even within a single denomination, we may differ on certain things, right? It's not something so important that it would cause us to to go to a different church so that we might worship in a different way or something like that, but it's going to be something that, that within a denomination, it's going to be a kind of a tertiary issue there. So Paul is here dealing in the text of Romans chapter 14 on how the gospel works out in this um, and in the way that we uh, communicate with uh, believers and how we work uh, work this out in our life. So the thing that we're going to be looking at tonight, I want to just kind of read it for you, and then we're going to just go through the scripture here. Uh, so this is the idea that we're going to be digging out of the text tonight. The gospel of Christ, so not only what we just mentioned, but the gospel of Christ frees us from our sinful and destructive pursuits, often centered around self-gratification, and directs us to lives that pursue peace and edification of others. So I'm going to read that again, and I think what we're going to find is when I say sinful and destructive pursuits, some of you may look at this text or may have read ahead and think one thing, we're going to hopefully see something uh, a little differently maybe than what you're thinking as we dig through that. So the gospel of Christ frees us from our sinful and destructive pursuits, often centered around self-gratification and directs us to live lives that pursue peace and the edification of others. And shorter way of saying this, the gospel changes our focus from a self-centered view of the way that we live to an others-centered view of the way that we live. It matters to us how others perceive us as we work and live and strive after Christ, right? We want to be genuine in the way that we love. We want to be genuine in the way that we act and live out our lives to others. And we want them to see that in us. So with that being said, let's now look at chapter 14. Starting in verse 13. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. So the first thing that I want us to, to look at, and the first thing that I want us to see in this text, is the last word in the sentence that I just read there. Who are we speaking of? Who are we speaking about? Who are we concerning ourselves with here? Brothers in Christ, right? And here's something that I want us to understand, especially as we dig into this text here. And I made mention of it the last time that we were together. And, and I think the gospel shines so clearly in this truth that we are family do y'all understand what it means to be family? Now, here's the thing. I get, I get that, that many times we come from dysfunctional views of what family is. And sometimes we carry that baggage in the way that we consider one another as family. But I want us to get that when, when Paul here is speaking of brothers, right? When he speaks in the language of Family, he's not bringing in with it the baggage that you may have in your mind with your brother or your sister that you can't get along with. What I want to say there is repent, right? Let the gospel heal your family divisions. And let it heal our family divisions as well, right? We are first and foremost followers of Christ Brothers and sisters, by the grace of God. Treat one another as brothers and sisters. Be the good brother 
or good sister, right? Again, when I speak of this in my mind, I think how many people probably have dysfunctional views of what family is, right? If you were to be sitting in that and every time I hear brother or sister, you think of this dysfunctional view of what it means to be a brother or a sister, I want you to think in that moment about Christ, right? He is your brother. He has in no way mistreated you. He is family more loyal than any family. So when we think of what it means to be family, when we think of what it means here, speaking of brothers, let our view and understanding be washed by the blood of Christ, our brother who gave his life for us on a cross. Let that be the understanding and view of family that we carry into this. So when we talk of family, when we talk of being family, being brothers, and the way that we should treat one another, if you have a dysfunctional family, well, welcome to the world. That's kind of the way that it works when sin moves in. And what we're talking about and seeing in the truth of the gospel is the transformation that the gospel has on the way that we live. We should be becoming new people. We should be being transformed each day of our lives closer into the image of Christ, even in the way that we're thinking. Right? So when we speak of brother, when we speak of family, let's think of him and the example that he set forth because oftentimes we're going to be tempted to kind of stray away into an understanding of brotherhood that we see in the world and oftentimes it is so fallen and so broken. We see families that aren't families. Uh, I want us, when we think of family, to think of Christ as kind of the centerpiece of this around which this great global family is being built. He is that first brother. He is our brother. And we are to act and live as He has. Right. So when we think of family, when we think of being brothers and sisters, let's, let's think and focus in, in that kind of way. So how does a brother act towards another brother? Does a brother put a stumbling block? Would Christ put before you a stumbling block? That you would fall away from God? Would He put a hindrance in front of you? If Christ saw an area in your life where you were weak, would He tear that down to build it back up again? I want us to think about what the gospel does and about, because oftentimes we might think, well, clearly he will tear down whatever he's got to tear down. But I want us to see that Christ is very gentle, right? In the way that he approaches, right? I want us to look, even if you consider the way that, that the history of redemption from the Old Testament to New, many of the places where we look at and we're like, why did he not just say, don't have slaves right there? Like, why did instead he say, masters, treat your Slaves like this, like why didn't he just in that moment, right? And and what I want us to see is that it's not that those particular things he wasn't moving you away from. It's just that he is wise and gentle in the way that he leads us into truth. And as believers, sometimes we spoke of last time the weaker and the stronger. Sometimes you may be the one who is stronger in faith. And in those moments, we need to be wise in the way that we lead those who are weaker as brothers, being gentle in the leading, being wise in those moments that we need to say, you know what, I'm just going to kind of back off in this. This is not something worth destroying this relationship over. It's a secondary tertiary issue, right? We're both still brothers and sisters. They're not, they're not jettisoning any central truth of the gospel. We're still family in Christ here, right? So that's an issue that I'm just going to kind of, we're going to put it right there. I'm going to pray for it, really pray for it, not just say I'm going to pray for it, not just going to be like, hey, brother, you need prayer on that and drop the mic and walk out, right? Like, we're really going to be praying that God would lead them. We're going to be asking God to lead us in ways that we can lead them gently. We're not going to put stumbling blocks there. We're not going to make that a hindrance to further growth. We're not going to be like, you know what, I just really think because this issue that doesn't mean really anything in the big scheme of things, I'm going to say, like, you're probably going to need to find another church over that, man. Because you just don't fit well here with your personality type or whatever. I want to be. We want to be gentle in this. We want to be treating 
his family, not placing stumbling blocks, right? Never decide to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. Verse 14, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in and of itself. Now here again, when we looked last week at the earlier chapters, was it in the, in the first example that he gave of eating meat, was it a question of whether or not it was good or bad to eat meat? Can you eat meat? Right? Did Paul, was Paul unclear in the opening of chapter 14? Let's, let's go back and look and see. For as one who is weak in faith, welcome him, not in quarreling over opinions. One person believes he may eat, eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. So does Paul have an opinion here? Is the truth clear here? And now again, as he comes into, uh, this second part, as he's kind of discussing further in this, he says in verse 14, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in and of itself. So is it, is it, is it a problem of truth here that he's addressing? Right? Is he first calling out the weak and saying, you just listen. You can eat whatever. Get over it. Or is he bringing this example up to show us a deeper truth here? Right? To show us something more here. And he goes on to show us this, uh, the latter part of verse 14 there. But it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. Whoa. Whoa, can we read that text again? We're going to go 14, the whole text through there. I know and am persuaded of the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in and of itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. What is he telling us there? That your conscience is important. Okay, and you're, when, when we say that someone's conscience is important, I want you as the stronger in this situation to know that first. Right? I want you as the stronger, you as the meat eater in this particular situation, right? I want you to know that conscience matters. And this is why it is difficult. So if you were to come to me with the particular truth that I held fervently, do you think that you're going to cause me to change my opinion on that one way or another by putting stumbling blocks or hindrances or arguments or quarreling in front of me? Do you think that is going to be what convinces me? Do you think that by you bringing your opinion, you will change my mind? No. So what will you do instead? If you come with that attitude, you will sever relationships. You will not make for unity. You will make for disunity. We'll be a fragmented, weak people who can do nothing because we can't get together on anything. Because we make these third level things as though they are the things that we're going to die for. Instead of Christ being central for all of us, and us focusing our eyes there, trusting that grace is enough. In those areas where they are weak, I too realize that I have areas that I am weak. And as much as I would say that God's grace is sufficient for me, I want to say His grace is also sufficient for them. Right? We're going to be unified. The gospel has a unifying approach to it. And I want to understand that they hold that. And I want to give, like, I want to give some credence to their belief, right? Not that their belief is true, because Paul here in this example shows us what is true. But then he goes on to say, if they believe that it is unclean, what is it? It's unclean. If you believe something is sinful for you to do, listen to me. If you believe something is sinful, if you believe an act is sinful, and every person in this church building tonight, apart from you, believed that it was not, and we led you into that, even though it was not sinful, do you know what we would be doing? Searing your conscience. Making it unclear about whether you should be following the Holy Spirit's lead or the populace and majority's lead. Right? It is important. And I want us, I want us to get this 
And I want you to believe yourself to be the one in the stronger position. I want you to believe that you are the one who holds the true knowledge in this particular area. And for you, I want to say, be careful with the truth. Do not cut and break down beyond repair. Be wise in the leading to truth. Because we can wield truth in a way that would break and destroy. And this is this underlying and destructive kind of thing, right? It comes from what? Taking precedence. We take truth to be precedent over people, right? And, and when I say truth here, there is some central truth, and this should be clear to all of us, that there is some central truth around the gospel that the church has held throughout church history that we do not deviate from, or we deviate from the gospel. That truth will die for. These other things, these gray areas, let us not be divided over them, but let us give grace in them. Let us not be so arrogant as to say, I hold every truth. And and let us instead say, the truth is here. But I'm fallen and making my way there, just as you are fallen and making your way there. And that God's grace is enough. And that when I step forward into eternity, I'm not resting on the fact that I gained enough knowledge about the truth of this book, that I have no place that I'm in error, but that the one thing that is most critical and most central is that Christ died for me, was raised to new life, that I might have life in Him. And I'm going to focus my life on that. And I'm going to tell that to the nations. Because that truth is the only truth that saves. Whether you eat meat or vegetables, we'll figure that out along the way. Right? Let's be unified together. This is the idea that he's coming along and trying to share with us here. So this idea is that the grace shown to us, we should be likewise showing to others. Right? Let's be humble. Let's be those who are quick to give grace. Verse 15, for your brother. Again, the language is a family kind of language. You are dealing with brothers and sisters in Christ. And this should be something that we hold to and understand because when we break them or when we run them off, who are we running off? Who are we destroying and breaking down? Who? Church, who? Family. Family. And no, that might have worked for you when you were lost. We should not have that as followers of Christ. That should not be spoken of among us. That we would be unified. That we would be as one. As Christ and the Father are one. Right? This is critical for us. Unity is so important. And the gospel truth playing out in the church is that it brings unity surrounding Christ. It doesn't break us off. It unifies us. With a central head and a central focus. Verse 15, For your brother, for if your brother is grieved by what you eat, You are no longer walking in love. So what does this mean? You hold truth here. Right? It's good for you to eat meat. Right? And we're using a simple example. We could use hundreds of other examples here. Right? So it's okay for you to eat meat. You have a brother or sister in Christ. And we're not making light of this here. But they have some moral objection to eating meat. Do you eat meat in front of them to make a point? Why not? Is it wrong to eat meat? Are you people pleasing? Are you being people pleasers? Are you being weak? Should not the truth win out? Should not the truth be the more important thing here? You can eat meat. You're free in Christ to eat meat now. Jewish brothers and sisters, get you a pork chop. Right? I want to come to you and I want to be like, don't call unclean what He's made clean. Right? I mean, that's the words of God speaking. 
This scripture. Peter's like, I can't eat that. He's like, Peter, man. What you call an unclean? I've made it clean. Like, I want to use that. And I want to be like, Dustin, you don't like to eat pork chop? Eat you some pork chop, brother. I'm going to bring some pork chop over tonight. We're going to grill it out. Right? Is that the way that we are to live? If Dustin has moral issues with this, is that the way that I win him to the pork chop eating camp? What is that the way that I do? That is the way that I drive off a brother. Drive a, re- a wedge between him that need not be there. It need not be there. What should I do instead? <laughs> Bring the pork chops to the rest of you. <laughs> I like that. Okay, Dustin, you're not getting invited to the pork chop grill out. Sorry about that, brother. <laughs> See, this is why the meat thing's easier, right? This is why the meat thing's easier. If I were to go and say, yo, pour y'all a glass of wine, then half of y'all either woke up or flipped the switch off. Truth? Truth? If I, am I, y'all about to be like, get up out of here, man. If I were to, if I were to say to you, come over to my house, we'll go in the refrigerator, I'll open that thing, or we'll go down into the cellar, right? If we're gonna have wine, we're gonna have it in a cellar, right? I'm gonna get my oldest one, and I'm gonna come out. There ain't nobody getting drunk, because you don't get drunk, but, but I wanna pour you a glass, I'll pour me a glass. What are you gonna say? You're gonna say, I'm not gonna say anything right now, but when he steps down from there, I'm gonna go to Kip after church, and I'll be like, Kip? When he finishes Romans, man, that's it. (laughs) Right? Right? Why? Because we're in a Baptist church. And if you drink, you're going to hell. That's what we say. Is it not? Do we not make those things central gospel issues? Too many times. So when I say meat, it's easy for you because you eat meat, right? But how many of you, I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand because somebody might raise their hand in here tonight and I don't want to ostracize you, right? Like seriously. Seriously. Like you think about it, if, if you, right? Like you're going to divide over that. Like that, you ain't never seen them out tipsy even once. You ain't never seen them out tipsy even once. But they are going to hell. And then they tell you what? They'll bring you scripture after scripture, showing blessing in the Old Testament, fruit of the vine. They'll show you the scripture where, well, that, that in the news, that's not Welch's, right? Like, they'll bring this kind of thing, and what will you say? What will you say? You, please, do not say, let's go to Romans chapter 14, and let's look down. We're going to get there. Right? We're going to get there. So here's what I want us to see. Are we awake now? Are y'all, like, (laughs) look, I don't have a wine cellar. Yet. <laughs> teasing. I'm teasing. See, that's what I'm on thin ice. I know. I'm going to back up a little bit, man. I'm going to back so far up. Dad's back there like, I'm going to call you down, son. <laughs> y'all just slow down. Let's, let's, let's get through the scripture here, right? Before y'all throw anybody out. For if a brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. So do you eat meat with Dustin now? Do you grill out pork chop with Dustin? I'm going to use it for the rest of the night if that's right. Do you grill out pork chop with Dustin? Okay, so now let me ask you this. You're at your home, right? Dustin ain't there. He didn't say, hey, can I come over? And you'd be like, man, I got pork chops in the fridge. No, Dustin, you can't come over tonight, man. We're, we're grilling out, but I can't tell you what I'm going to grill out, right? Like you're at your house and you're grilling out pork chops. Do you feel guilty over grilling out pork chops? Do I got anybody up in here feeling guilty about grilling out pork chops? Right? So because Dustin's offended, do you stop eating pork chops altogether? Right? My wife cooks some amazing pork chops. 
If Dustin's offended by them, I'm sorry, brother. She will never grill pork chops when you are around. Right? Because what would it be? It would be making issue where there need not be issue. There need not be issue there. If I hear Dustin's got some issues with pork chop, when he's over, I'm going to be like, Lord, give me, lead me in this particular truth. Show me some scripture that I could gently guide him. Because pork chops with the little seasoning like Adrian does it is so good. And I don't want him to miss out on that blessing in this world or the next. Right, like I want you to taste that pork chop. I, I got to be wise. It's not as though truth is unimportant, but we do not sever for that. Because it is a secondary or tertiary issue here. Right? So I want to be wise in this. I want to be like, Lord, lead me. I know that, that if, if he sees pork chops in my fridge, he's going to be offended by those. Lord, I'm not offended like I see in the Scripture here. And, and I believe that you've made those things clean, which were once unclean. And I'm going to eat that pork chop with my family. But if Dustin comes over, we will not have pork chop. Because Dustin matters more than pork chop matters. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? That the souls of believers and the lives and consciences of our family in the church matter more than the freedoms that we may think we have. Right? This is what grace does. Grace is willing to bind itself for the freedom of others. Right? To submit itself, we show grace because we've been shown grace, right? We can live as brothers and sisters faithfully, not people-pleasing, but grace-showing in all that we do. And this is what we should do. This is what the gospel shows us and tells us. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love by what you eat. Do not destroy the one for whom Christ has died. Truth, friends, truth here. They matter more than the argument matters. Right? They matter. The unity of the church matters. It's important. Right? They were unified around Christ. That we don't set up things like the kind of music or worship style that you prefer above Christ being central. Right? That we don't sit, set up, I'm going to live and die with the pork chop bone in my hand before I give up that particular truth. You just need to get over it. That's not the mentality as believers that we have. Paul's, Paul's got the mentality that he'll do whatever it takes to win the lost. To bring unity to the church. Right? I don't need that. I don't need pork chop, right? I don't need that. Could you live the rest of your days without that for someone else? Right? That's the kind of mentality that he's showing us the gospel brings to the table. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. So what will happen if I go to Dustin and I'm like, Dustin, come over to the house, man. And now i got pork chop and a half-poured glass of wine. Right? <laughs> We're going to bring them both to the table here. And Dustin doesn't like either, so I'm like, I know you was an alcoholic back in the day, man, but you're free in Christ. Come on over. Have you a glass of wine and a pork chop that offends you. Right? What am I doing there? What am I doing? What's Dustin going to do? He's going to go to Kip. He's going to be like, Kip, don't let Landon preach no more. (laughs) It's a good thing y'all are meat eaters, or I would probably be kicked out of this place. (laughs) I would probably be kicked out of this place right now, right? Because he'd be like, Lannon was eating pork chop. Now, he didn't get tipsy, but he had a little glass of wine, right? He said something about it helping his stomach, right? He didn't feel sick after eating pork chop, (laughs) right? Like, you're going to, it's going to, and then room's going to spread, right? And then what I regard as good, I've put on the line, and now evil is spoken of this thing, right? 
Let us concern ourselves. Let us concern ourselves with the consciences of others, with the conscience of our church. But are any of you not eating meat tonight when you go home? Did any of you not eat meat when you went out after church this morning? Hmm? How many of you had some kind of meat today? Does it concern you that there are people who don't eat meat for moral reasons? Now the question will be, will you give up meat permanently? Must you give up meat permanently? No? Hold on to that. Hold on to that. Let's continue. So let not what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And what is he doing here? He's showing us priorities, right? Eating and drinking on one side here. And what on the other? Righteousness, peace, joy. In what? The Holy Spirit. So we see a we see a character thing being placed on the scale of a of a gift or good gift thing. The food, y'all. When you go and eat, that is a gift of God. Y'all realize that when you this this is why it's such an amazing thing, and why I make the big deal over the way that I look at the resurrection as I do. Right, like like eating is a gift of God, but it is not in any way comparable with holy, righteous, peaceful living. It is a gift. It is a gift. And we should enjoy the gifts of God, but we should never abuse the gifts of God and sacrifice holiness, peace amongst ourselves, unity in the Holy Spirit. We should have the hearts as a believer that we say, Christ is all I need. Christ is all I need. The gifts are great, but it is the giver of the gifts that I desire more than all. Right? It is the giver of the gifts that we set above. And the gifts, well, I'll enjoy them. But it's not going to divide us. Because I don't need it that much. I don't need it that much. Right? That's the idea that he's kind of pushing in here. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by man. Do you get that if, if it offends Dustin that you don't eat meat, and when you invite Dustin over, you don't serve meat, that you're not people-pleasing in this, that you're not bending in the truth, on this, right? Do y'all get that? Because when I, when, when we approach this, and I say you're right and this person's wrong, oftentimes we would have the mentality that would say the truth should win out every time, no matter what. Right? With no concern for the people who it might hurt as we move there. The truth is important, but people are important. Right? People are important. So in these areas, we do not break down people, brothers, family, right? We're, we're talking in the church here, right? We're talking family members. I'm not tearing you down for things that are not important in the long run, right? How often would we rather truth win and a brother die and fall away? Man, we'll wrestle with this. Wrestle with this because the, the, the gray area is, is the truth will win, right? Does, <laughs> now I can say this because I know you, you like pork chop as much as the next guy, right? Like, we're eating pork chop in heaven, right? Like, like whether you believe it or not, when we get there, we're eating, right? Like, that's, that's the mentality. Like, these, the truth wins in the end, right? When you stand before God, the truth is winning. Right? The truth is winning. How we get there is important. Right? How we get there is important. And the, there's, there's, there's some humility in this because you might be wrong in that secondary or tertiary issue. 
Right? Because how many of us think that we're going to stand there before God and everything that we held is truth? Every interpretation that we gleaned from this. How many of us think that we're going to stand there and we're going to be right 100% across the board? So what are we going to need when we stand before God? Our truth of, our truth of the Scripture? Our truth on every point? We're going to need grace. From beginning to end, we're going to need God's grace. Right? Without it, it don't matter. We need God's grace. And He wins us through His grace. Presses us forward in His truth. By His Holy Spirit. So that one day we'll stand together, fully unified before the Lamb that was slain. And the grace will have covered every area that I was wrong, every area that you was wrong. So why would we divide over it here when there are those who have not heard of this grace yet? Do you hear me? Do you hear me? That there are men and women around the world who perish as we argue over the most trivial of things. Perish without the word of the gospel. While we argue over the most trivial of things. So in this style of living... Whoever thus serves Christ. You know what we're doing as we live this way. We're living as servants. We're following after Christ. Following after His his example. We are serving Christ. So whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. As believers... As believers, living this Christian life, we should be living in such a way that we are in a pursuit to lift one another up. To build one another up. Not not looking for ways that I can find a chink. I don't want to find a chink in your armor. Right? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to be looking around being like, I want to see every fault that you have. I want to show grace. And how... Often is this a difficult thing for us to do? How often is it easier for us to divide over those most trivial of things versus unify together? Because we know if we unify together, we've got to do something, right? What are we here for? Is it the arguing of trivial things? Or is it the spread of the gospel? So let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Verse 20. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean. I want us to see again that it is not the truth of it being clean or unclean that is in question here. Right? It is how we lead and get there. It is how we work this life out as believers when we have differences on these non-central gospel truths. The way that we live and conduct ourselves here speaks of who we are. It speaks of who we are. Right? That's why unity among the church is so important because they can look outside and see us arguing over the most trivial of things. Pointing fingers here and there about who's right and who's wrong while nobody focuses on the spread of the gospel to the lost. Do not, for the sake of food, destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean. But it is wrong if for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. Right? Let's not be setting up stumbling blocks in the way that we live. Let us show grace. If you are right in a particular area, don't make that area a stumbling block. Right? Don't make it a stumbling block. Pray. Show grace. There are areas that you will need to be shown grace by others. The gospel plays out among us in this, in this way. Verse 21. 
It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? And I want to take a small aside for a second here. And I want us to look at this verse. What have we been concerning ourselves with thus far through this text from beginning to end? It's been a meat, vegetables kind of, kind of thing, right? And, and, and this is where I just want to give a warning to us here. Because how often have I heard this particular verse abused among brothers and sisters in Christ to condemn those who would drink? And I want to tell you, be careful there. If you want to base it on a hundred other places, okay. But I can tell you, you cannot make that argument here. Because if you're going to use this verse as your death heel, then I'd better not see you at least eating on a chicken leg, brothers and sisters. Because that's been the issue that he's been contending here. And if you would make that argument using this verse, then you'd better stick to it instead of being a hypocrite about it. For let's read what it says. Again, it is good not to eat meat. What does he start with? To eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Can I get an amen there? How are we to live? How are we to live? Showing grace, concerning ourselves with the consciences of others. Brothers and sisters in Christ, not seeking to cause them to stumble. And then I ask you the question, how many of you tomorrow will eat meat? So please do not use this as your basis for abusing other brothers and sisters in Christ. Unless you're consistent. If you want to be consistent in that and become a vegetarian, then we'll start back in chapter 14, verse 1, and we'll dig through it, and I'll be like, did he not say two times that you could eat meat? <laughs> okay? So where did you get there, right? We'll, we'll do some exegesis on the text again, right? So that being said, let's press on. Let's press on. The faith that you have. So what then? What then? Dustin comes over to the house. I'm, I'm not bringing out the pork chop now. Right? So should I abandon pork chop altogether? What should I do? I'm not taking my freedom to eat meat now. Peter's not taking his freedom to eat meat and flaunting it in front of every one of his brothers and sisters in Christ that come from a Jewish heritage that can't eat pork chop. He's not holding it up in the air being like, look at the freedom that I now have in Christ. Whether you struggle with that or not, because you were a Jew for years and years and years, deal with it. Pull up to the table. Man up. Right? That's not the approach that he's taking. Right? That's not the approach that he's taking here. The faith that you have keep between yourself and God. So does that mean that you can't, Peter can't go and eat pork chop because he's free? Right? What should you do? Are you trying to flaunt your freedoms in front of others whose consciences tell them otherwise? Right? Because to lead them to do something that their conscience said no, even if your conscience says yes, is to lead them to sin because anything that you do that is not in faith is in sin. Anything that you do that is not in faith is in sin. So if your conscience is against it, I don't care if the rest of the world is doing it. I don't care if the rest of the church is doing it. Follow God's leading in Scripture. Not the masses. How many times throughout church history has it been men who rocked the boat that turned out to be right? 
you were here in a Protestant denomination because of one such rocking. Right? Because men's consciences were seared with the truth of the gospel. And they would not follow with the masses. Lives, gospel plays out in so many powerful, so many powerful ways. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that causes your brother to stumble. The faith you have keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whatever he doubts, or but, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats. The conscience matters. The leading that God has at you in this moment, at this point in time, matters. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith, from faith to faith. Romans chapter 1, 16, 17. This gospel truth plays out in every way in our lives through the playing out of faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith, the last part of that, and we're going to close with this, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Let everything that comes from us come from our faith in Christ. Let everything that we do be done in a pursuit of peace, and mutual upbuilding of one another as the gospel plays out in our lives for the spread of it to the nations. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for Christ. I thank you for the truth of your scripture. I thank you that your gospel plays out in real and practical ways in our lives. I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts, that you would lead us individually together towards truth, that we would be building one another up, not tearing one another down, that we would live and die for the gospel. But for these areas that are secondary, tertiary, Lord, that we would show grace, that we would show grace because we need grace shown to us. Lord, that when the world looks upon the church, that it would see a people soaked in grace, splashing around in grace. For your name's sake, let us stop bickering about things that in eternity will not matter, and let us be unified that together we take the gospel to the places that have yet to hear.